Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for February 4th, 2022. The first employment report for 2022 was released today, which sheds light on the strength of the overall economy and Omicron's impact on labor markets. Nationwide's Chief Economist David Burson and Senior Economist Ben Ayers provide their outlook for the months ahead, including the impact of today's employment report on inflation and Fed policy. And now, here's Ben Ayers. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Today, we'll be talking about the January jobs report, which came in much stronger than expected. There were some concerns that because of Omicron impacts, particularly for the service sector side of the business, that jobs were going to be very weak and and maybe even decline. But we got a strong number, almost a half million, David. So talk to us about what happened, why the big upside miss, and what did you read from the the initial job reports numbers? Well, Ben, you're right. The uh, the employment report has to be characterized as just very strong. You know, payroll employment was up by 467,000 for the month. And uh, prior two months were revised up substantially, but there were just purely data reasons for some of this. For 2021, the, the data were revised substantially throughout the year because seasonal factors were changed. And, and basically they acted to push up the monthly data towards the beginning of the year and, and push it down a little bit in the middle of the year. For all of 2021, payroll employment was, was revised higher by much less than the last couple of months were. So some of the the strength is uh, is just changes in seasonal factors that they normally do. Still, almost 500,000 is a, a very strong number by any means. Not only that, the uh, the gains were were pretty widespread. It wasn't concentrated in one particular area. And and you want the gains to be as widespread as possible because it indicates overall strength in the economy, not in one particular sector or another. Having said that, while most analysts expected a number less because of the uh, the jump in Omicron, there were some signs that Omicron had an uh, an impact. So, for example, if you look at um, average weekly hours, average weekly hours fell uh, by two-tenths, which is actually a pretty big drop. The average number of hours worked tends to change by maybe a tenth or so on a monthly basis, sometimes it changes more. And it did change more for January. And that was probably a sign of Omicron, where people uh, during the survey week, which is always the week that includes the 12th of the month, so the week this time that had January 12th in it, if you were sick and stayed home and you were part of the survey, then you would say to the the, the folks at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, I was employed, but not working that week, or not working a full week. So I think that the uh, the decline in hours work, which will have an impact, by the way, on wage and salary income when we look at the personal income numbers, that probably was affected by Omicron. Thanks for that breakdown, David. You know, overall, it seemed like some pretty good numbers. You know, one of the big stories that we're still following with the labor market is the lack of supply. And ever since the start of the pandemic, uh, very low labor market participation rates and just a, a continued dearth of workers available out there. Any update there from the January numbers? Anything positive that we saw? Well, to be honest, I think that the biggest positive news was on the supply side. Now, the labor force participation rate, 
uh, still is is much lower than it was before the COVID downturn hit. And January and February of 2020, for example, that participation rate was 63.4%. What that means is 63.4% of the working age population was in the labor force before COVID hit. They were either working or looking for a job. That plummeted during COVID and it fell to as low in April, two months after the 63.4%. It fell to 60.2%, an incredible drop. And that it happened in two months is something that we've never seen before. But the labor force participation rate didn't pick up much in the intervening almost two years till last month. So in January, we saw that labor force participation rate go up by three tenths of a percentage point. So it went from 61.9% to 62.2. Now, 62.2 is still well below the 63.4 that we saw before we had the COVID downturn. So the bad news is there were still lots of missing workers. But the good news is we saw that big jump. And indeed, if you look at the trend in the labor force participation rate from that low point in April of 2020, it's been trending upward, not rapidly, but it's been trending higher. So more people who left the labor force are coming back in. And, and, and again, we had a particularly large jump in January. And I think that's a very positive factor for the labor market. You only have economic growth over the long run if you either have productivity gains or if you have hours worked increase, which typically means you need more workers. So with the labor force participation rate at a relatively low level, the number of hours worked in the aggregate has you know, went down. It's hard to, to get back to where we were. But this pickup that we saw in January means hours worked overall in the economy continues to trend upward. That's a very positive thing for long-term growth prospects for the U.S. economy. That's certainly some good news. You know, there's a lot of positive momentum in the labor market when it comes to workers. You know, very strong wage growth. We're, we're looking at very good plentiful opportunities out there. Are those the primary reasons why people are coming back in? And, um, you know, is this expected to continue? Are we expecting to see more people come back in and maybe take off um, some of the difficulty that many employers are having finding workers over the next six to 12 months? You know, that, that's a really good question. And, and unfortunately, we don't have an assured answer for this. Why, in fact, did, did people leave the labor force? Well, probably several main reasons. Number one, demographics. You know, more baby boomers are getting to retirement age. And that's a long-term demographic factor. But if you look over the last two years, uh, a lot of older workers, baby boomers, decided, well, this might be a particularly good time to retire. So they left the labor force. They might come back in, but once you're retired, you tend to stay retired. Second, people who are very concerned about COVID, who might have a, a comorbidity of some sort. You know, COVID is still out there. Um, it still kills people, although fortunately fewer as more people are, are vaccinated and Omicron variant appears to be a little less virulent, even if it is far more transmissible. But still, it's out there and that may be keeping people out of the labor force. Third, at least for the last two years, much less this year, we have seen schooling that is not full-time in person, which meant particularly for younger children, somebody had to be home. Uh, typically, as a woman, even today in, in U.S. households, so we saw a big drop 
in the labor force participation rate for women staying home with with children. Now that we're seeing more full time in person schooling and hopefully not interrupted, I think we're seeing some relief there. But the fourth thing is the government gave very generous unemployment and even non unemployment just benefits to people to make sure that the government lockdowns didn't put us into a depression. You know, we had a the shortest recession in US history, but it was really severe for those couple of months. But there's no question we helped it, it, that government aid to people helped pull us out of that quickly. But that aid has has pretty much gone away. And so people are finding, well, I could stay at home with this government aid, I can't anymore. So some of them are probably coming back into the labor force. So I think we're looking at a combination of, of childcare, people in the family going back to work, COVID becoming a less deadly disease. Some of those people concerned about that coming back to work and with less government benefits for uh, being unemployed, people coming back in the labor force for that. So was one of those the principal driver of this big pickup in the labor force participation rate for January? We don't know the data. We, we can't tell. But all those things probably paid, played a role. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks for the details there. You know, the, the jump in the civilian labor force, that, well, a great thing, did tick up the unemployment rate up to 4%, although obviously from a longer term perspective, 4% is a very low unemployment rate, um, even lower than the the bottoms of some expansions and prior expansions. So David, you know, looking forward, when you look over the rest of this year, what do we expect for the unemployment rate? Uh, can it go lower than where we are right now? You know, the really the only good reason to have the unemployment rate go up is if you get a big increase in the labor force. Again, that increase in the labor force participation rate. Because to be unemployed, you have to be looking for a job. And if you're not looking for a job, you're not in the labor force or you have a job already and then you're in the labor force. Going forward, we think that, um, and particularly as the Omicron variant ebbs further, it's already ebbing significantly, particularly say in the Northeast, um, as it ebbs further, uh, we should see pretty strong growth in the middle of the year for the US economy and businesses want workers, uh, the number of job openings are near a record high. We're going to see labor force participation go up because firms are going to have to pay up for workers. They can't get them. So they're going to raise salaries. That will pull more people in the labor force. But it means job growth is likely to be pretty solid over the rest of the year. Unemployment is likely to come down, but as the labor force participation rate goes up, as the number of people looking for work goes up, then the unemployment rate will go down much more slowly than what we've seen over the last couple of years. So right now, unemployment, the U3 rate, the, the commonly viewed unemployment rate is 4%. We think for the year as a whole, it's going to be closer to 3.5%, maybe it's a touch above that. But, but that means later in the year, we're probably going to see the unemployment rate fall into the low 3% range. And particularly with solid job growth, and a higher labor force participation rate, a low unemployment rate like that is nothing but good news. Yeah, those are very low unemployment rates and certainly a, a very positive environment for consumer spending and, and by ultimately overall economic growth as well. You know, shifting from the impact of the job report, let's look at the Fed real quick. Obviously, the, the in about a month from now, the Fed will be meeting to likely 
caused their first uh, rate tightening that they've pursued over this cycle. Inflation's the big indicator here, but certainly the unemployment rate has looked very closely as well. And at 4%, and as you mentioned, probably trending downward over 2022, we're getting either at full employment or below full employment from their measurement. Does the January jobs report, does that change any of the calculus that the Fed is looking at over the next couple months when they make this shift in policy decisions? Well, the Fed has two goals, and those are given to them by, by Congress. And you can combine them, basically say that the, the, the Fed is charged with getting the uh, economy to have the lowest unemployment rate consistent with stable prices. Now, the Fed has defined stable prices as long-run inflation of around 2%. And inflation clearly is well above that now. So the Fed has become increasingly concerned about that. And the Fed's projections of its own policy is that it will raise interest rates this year. And when uh, Chair Powell talks, he certainly talks about that. And then the Fed has also said that with unemployment around 4%, 3.9 last month, so a tad below that, they've effectively met the, the, the mandate of low unemployment. What does today's report mean? Well, if the economy continues to run hot and you know payroll increases of almost half a million um, is a pretty strong number. It suggests that any slowdown in the economy in the first quarter from Omicron, and the economy is likely to slow in the first quarter, is probably gonna be brief. And the economy is gonna grow and an above trend rate again. Well, with inflation already well above the Fed's 2% long-term goal, and the economy at least beyond the first quarter running at, we think, at, at you know 4% rate for the whole year, so well above the uh, first quarter pace, that's gonna put upward pressure on inflation. And so today's employment report suggests that the Fed is more likely to tighten monetary policy, take excess liquidity out of the economy in an attempt to slow the pace of inflation over the next couple of years and bring it back toward the Fed's 2% long-term goal. Great, David. Thank you for the commentary there. I think we will cut it off with that for today. And thank you again for joining us. Thanks, Ben. And, and thank all of our listeners again. This podcast is for financial professional use only. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2022. Nationwide.